You're listening to the Dear Baseball Gods podcast. I'm Dan Blewett, and on this show, you'll learn advanced concepts in baseball explained simply. I'm here to guide you on your baseball journey and help you paddle through what's now an ocean of misinformation, guruism, and overly technical diamond babble. Hey, welcome back to the Dear Baseball Gods podcast. I'm Dan Blewett, and in today's episode, we're going to talk about arm angle and a couple considerations to think about. Number two, we'll talk about uh, yelling to your kid on the field. Is this a good or bad thing to do? And number three, uh, a question I I got recently was, um, why do you dislike the knuckleball as far as being like another pitch that a youth pitcher can throw? Okay, so number one, arm angle. This is something that even even parents who didn't play they can kind of pick out when something looks off with their kid's arm angle. So I used to get parents bring their kids in for lessons and they'd say, hey, he kind of like slings the ball. He throws from kind of a weird side arm angle compared to his teammates. Can you take a look? And so here are the couple things that remember about arm angle. Number one, I do think everyone has an innate arm angle that is best for them just anatomically. So if you look at the major leagues, I think it represents a bell curve and you know most things in life do so if you look at the major leagues most guys are so here the let me back up here are the arm angles essentially there's submarine which is essentially just anything below sidearm there's sidearm then a little bit higher than that is low three quarters so that's not quite sidearm it's so if you put sidearm if we had a righty and you said sidearm was nine o'clock his arm is at nine on the clock low three quarters is at about ten o'clock And then three quarters uh, is 11. And then over the top is like 1130. Maybe it's just a little bit higher. The difference between three quarters and over the top are, I don't know, they're vague at best today. Like I should, you know, being a baseball lifer, I should know the difference. But I don't. I think they're kind of used interchangeably. I'm not sure there's a big difference between three quarters and over the top. But I guess people would just say over the top is a little bit higher than three quarters. So if we go back to my sentiment about the bell curve, most pitchers throw at three quarters, which is about 11 o'clock or 1030 arm slot, somewhere in there. Again, it's not like an exact science, not like anyone takes out a ruler and says you're three quarters. Three quarters is quote unquote normal. Um, Over the top is just a little bit higher than that. So you're gonna get more flattened out backspin. You're not gonna be able to throw a sinker as well. Um, and then low three quarters is somewhere between sidearm and quote unquote normal. So it's a little bit lower than normal. Um, and I realized that all those were very vague, somewhat annoying <laughs> descriptions, but it's a system that it doesn't really have any objective measurements. But again, submarine, sidearm, low three quarters, three quarters, and over the top. So most pitchers are going to be three quarters. You'll get some guys that are over the top, like Hideki Okajima was a good example. He threw it almost 12 o'clock arm slot and he was very strange. But here's the thing to, to know about arm angle or arm slot, because they're also essentially interchangeable. Your shoulder tilt dictates your arm slot. So even when Chris Sale is throwing essentially sidearm, his shoulders are creating the arm angle, and they're essentially following his arm the exact same way as a pitcher who throws three quarters. So what I mean by this is basically when you go down the mound, you're about to throw your pitch, your front shoulder is up when you land, you're somewhat up, 
and then your glove arm, your front shoulder, is going to crunch down as your chest starts to move towards the plate. And this sort of compressing of like the glove arm towards the rib cage and into your side. And of course, your body's really more going towards your glove side than your glove side is coming back. Your glove side's not really coming back. But anyway, when you land, your left side, if you're righty, means your glove side, it sort of compresses to tilt your shoulders. And so if you're three quarters, you'll have a three quarter tilted shoulders. If you throw a sidearm, your, sho your, your shoulders will just be flat straight across. So this is important to know because you're you're never going to have like flat. It's not like one pitcher like Chris Sale, who throws from a low arm slot, is going to have flat shoulders and then just lift his arm up higher. It doesn't work like that. The shoulders have to go with it. So there's always like this smooth line between the angle made between the shoulders and the arm. And so really just the body tilt is what changes the arm slot. So it's not really the arm moving. Again, if you just took Chris Sale and tilted his photo, he would have it till it was at a three quarter arm slot. You're, he would look the same as anyone else. It's just the shoulder tilt that determines the arm angle. That being said, I believe some pitchers just innately have a, a comfort point at a lower or higher arm slot. So if your son seems to have good mechanics, quote unquote, and throws from a lower lower arm angle, then that's probably what's best for him. He's probably figured out over time that he just throws better. His body feels better. He produces power a little bit better from that lower arm slot. But again, for most people, they're going to produce their most amount of power from the three quarter slot because you do get a little more of like a sort of like over the, you're like catapulting over your front side a little more when you're higher over the top. So it seems anecdotally, you can get a little more power throwing higher over the top then you can throwing sidearm. And of course we do know that to be true where no one throws 95 miles per hour submarine. So there is something to that. It does seem to be harder to throw at a high velocity, the lower your arm slot gets below like low three quarter. So again, uh, this is something that works itself out on its own. So if, if your son throws sidearm, it's not to say that you have to pull the, the, the panic switch and, or the, I guess you wouldn't pull, you'd push a panic switch, but you might pull the sound the alarm. I don't know. Idioms aside, uh, basically what we need to do is figure out, does he throw from a lower arm slot because his mechanics are off, which is definitely the case sometimes, or does he throw from a lower arm slot because that's where his, his body is comfortable. And as a pitching coach, you can figure this out by making some of these mechanical tweaks. So like if, if your front shoulder is low, as you go down the mound or your, your weight shift is poor, then what tends to happen is you'll throw from a lower arm slot because your body can't use the front side to sort of catapult up and over top of the ball. So then it will compensate by spinning. And that's the only way you can really produce power to, to, to finish the task and make the throw, make the pitch. So, so a lot of young pitchers who have bad mechanics where they fall forward, they have a low front shoulder, they tend to throw more sidearm than they normally would if they had better mechanics. So once I correct their mechanics, then I feel like I get a, a glimpse for the first time of what their real quote unquote arm slot would be. Sometimes you can make those corrections and kids still want to throw from a lower arm slot. And that's just sort of an indicator for you as a coach or a parent saying, okay, this is probably just like where his body works best. And that's fine. What you don't want to do is coach a kid into a higher over a higher over the top arm slot because you feel like that's just like where pitchers should be. His body might not be comfortable that way. And Usually when you try to force a person to move in a way their body doesn't want to naturally move, they end up with pain or dysfunction or injuries or just frustration because it just like doesn't work very well. 
athletes are good at figuring out how their body moves for them. That's why every pitching motion is a little bit different. Every swing is a little bit different. Every golf swing is a little bit different. So you don't want to put them in a box where they're forced to move like someone that's not them. And then um, basically you just need to figure out over time how to to get a good idea of is this arm slot caused by poor mechanics or is this arm slot them? Is it their natural body's choice? And again, I think once they get some pitching instruction and they've worked things out, then you'll start to get a glimpse of what their natural arm slot is. Okay, let's talk about yelling to your kid while they're out at the field. This is pretty simple. Don't yell instructions to your son on the mound, in the batter's box, in the field. It helps literally nothing. And there should be a separation between their coaching staff and the parents. So you're their parent when they're with you. When they're at the ball field, they're not really your property anymore. They're the property of your coaching staff. So his coach can yell at him. His, uh, his teammates can yell to him. The umpire can yell to him, but parents can't yell to him. You have no business yelling instructions. You've no business being helpful. Say, oh, like, you know, don't forget to whatever you do. Like, oh, throw him a slider. Like, you should pitch in. Like, he's looking away. Those things are helpful. I think they always come from a place of wanting to see them succeed, especially when uh, maybe you played some baseball yourself or whatever. Um, however, the opposite is also true. There's a lot of parents who don't know much about baseball at all who yell lots of advice. That's often not even good advice. Um, a lot of times players can't hear what you're yelling. A lot of times they can. Either way, it's going to distract them. And now they're wondering, well, mom and dad just yelled this, whereas coach said to do that, whereas I think I should do X. You're just going to create cognitive dissonance or you're going to second guess the coaching staff or you're just going to throw him off his game plan. Um, even if your advice is sound, it's better just to treat baseball like a recital and just let your kid play. Just cheer for them, root the team on, be supportive, clap, do all that stuff. But yelling instructions is just unnecessary. Plus, it's youth sports. Like, who cares? If your son doesn't get the message to pitch inside on a guy, um, who cares? Like, it's not, it's not a big deal. You know, um, most of these things can wait till the inning's over. And most of these things, if the kid doesn't do it or does do it, it doesn't change the outcome of the game very much. You know, you might say, oh, pitch him away. Well, he might miss his spot regardless, even if he tries to take your advice and, and pitch away. It's not going to make that much difference most of the time because there's so much randomness in baseball. So obviously, I don't have to sum this up too much. Just don't yell instructions to your player on the field. All right, now it's time for our listener Q&A portion of the show. If you have a question you'd like answered on the show, please email a voice recording to hello at danblewitt.com. All right, lastly, um, I used to get this question from players I coached quite a bit. They'd say, hey, Dan, I, th I throw a fastball, a changeup, and a knuckleball. I'm like, no, you don't. You throw a fastball and a changeup. They're like, wait, what about my knuckleball? I'm like, well, your knuckleball is not a, is not is trespassing it's not allowed in these parts anymore and kids asked me why and i said well the answer is this are you gonna be a knuckleball pitcher in college and they're like i don't know well the answer is there are no knuckleball pitchers in college essentially here's who knuckleball pitchers are they're guys that got drafted 
who made it somewhere in minor league baseball, didn't make it, said, hey, I've got a good knuckleball. Can I give it a shot? And they're like, okay, we know you. We know you're a good athlete. We know you've got good baseball instincts. We drafted you. We put some money into you. Um, sure. We'll give you a year to sort this out and see if there's something there. Or, yeah, we've seen you throw knuckleballs and just screwing around in pregame or like whatever. And we know you have a good one. That's actually what was the story of my friend Zach Clark. He was well known to throw a terrifying knuckleball just playing catch with guys um, in the Baltimore Orioles system. And then when um, his time in the major leagues uh, came to an end, they said, we want to convert you into a knuckleballer. Otherwise, we're going to let you go. Would you want to do this? We know that you have a great knuckleball. And he said, sure, I'll give it a shot. That's that's how this plays out. So I don't know that any college has scholarship money for a knuckleballer. Um, I'm sure there's like a junior college somewhere or a small school that has a dedicated knuckleballer because a lot of times they need to fill roster spots on teams that are pretty low level and don't have an overwhelmingly good pitching staff. Uh, but in general, there is no career path for a 12-year-old to become a big league knuckleballer except going the traditional route and then sort of converting at some point. That's unfortunately the way this works. So when kids want to throw their knuckleball in a 12U game or a 13U game, I explain to them that they're just wasting their time and my time because they're focusing and spending effort and energy and repetitions on a pitch that is going nowhere for them. It's like learning to ride an oxen. It's like, are you going to take an oxen to school? Are you going to ride your ox to work? It's like, no, don't just like leave your ox in the field. It's a very dumb analogy, but you're just, it's archaic technology that's not going to go anywhere. So when you're wasting reps and pitching in a game with a knuckleball, you could have been pitching with your changeup, or you could have been focusing on learning a curveball or locating your fastball better. Instead, you threw knuckleballs just to get by and get some outs in 13U baseball when it provides no real long-term benefit. I mean, what the long-term benefit is throw all the stuff that you're going to throw, learn to be a good pitcher, learn to command both sides of the plate, throw your fastball. And those are all skills that the more you practice them, the more they will pay off for you in the long term. Whereas there is no legitimate payoff for throwing a knuckleball in 12 or 13U baseball, except for winning a 12 or 13U baseball game and who cares? No one cares, right? So hopefully that makes sense. I'm sure I'm reaching someone out there whose son throws a knuckleball some percentage of the time just to screw around. Now, if you're playing rec baseball and you don't have big aspirations or you just want to screw around and, and have fun and do it, so be it. Just understand that it, it will have a negative effect on your career because you're taking time away from doing something productive, which is working on your command and other pitches that will be with you and that you will be judged on when you're trying to make your varsity team or your college team. Well, that's it for today's episode of Dear Baseball Gods. If you enjoy the show and would like to support me while improving your baseball IQ, buy one of my books or enroll today in an online pitching course. Sign up for any of my courses through the links in the show notes and save 20% with code BASEBALLGODS just for being a listener. My online courses walk you through pitching mechanics, strategy, learning new pitches, and mental skills training. They're start to finish an amazing solution for pitchers, parents, and coaches who want step-by-step -step instruction. Pitching Isn't Complicated, my first book, is a thorough pitching manual with strategy, pitch grips, mechanics, mindset, routines, and other high-level pitching concepts. Not sure what your son is in for if he falls in love with the game? 
Dear Baseball Gods, the book is my memoir, a story of growing up in the game, persevering through injuries and setbacks, and struggling with identity when I finally had to clean out my locker. Buy a copy today via the links in the show notes, available in paperback, Kindle, and audiobook if you just can't get enough of my voice. Be sure to subscribe to my weekly email list where you'll get updates on all my new videos and episodes. Nearly 4,000 people get my emails, and you should too. Sign up through the link in the show notes. Lastly, who do you know who can use some good advice? Please share this podcast with a friend, subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and subscribe to my YouTube channel where you'll find this podcast and hundreds of baseball instructional videos. As always, hustle and stay pious. I'm Dan Blewett, and I'll see you next time.